Hello and welcome to a special Christmas bonus episode of DD Teach. I am Kieran Lefort and I'm joined as always uh, by the Santa to my elf, Mark Buckledy. Mark, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, happy Christmas to anyone listening around that time. Otherwise, sorry. Yes, indeed. Um, this is a little break away from the regular episodes, the next of which will probably be out towards the end of January as we seem to have settled on kind of a monthly schedule for now. Uh, but we thought this discussion would make a nice little gift to listen to while you're in your post-Christmas day turkey coma. You're listening to Kieran and Mark from the past where Christmas hasn't happened yet. So uh, time travel in podcast form. Um, what we're planning to do is just take a quick look at the uh, DO Grand Prix 2021-2 tournament uh, and as, as that has recently finished uh, and uh, just a look at the, uh, the, the show that took place on finals day. Uh, we talked about the final in our uh, Konosuke Takeshita episode, um, as he was the one of the finalists, and spoiler, the winner. Um, but yeah, just thought this would make a nice little addition to the usual. So, I mean, it, it baffles me every time we talk about it. This is the second DO Grand Prix 2, the, hang on, the second DO Grand Prix tournament of 2021, right? No, it's the second DO Grand Prix tournament 2021, because... The first 2021 happened in 2020. Um, basically, what happened was uh, they did the first tournament in January 2018, then realized that they wanted to have it to build up to their first big tournament show, uh, sorry, big main event show uh, of the year, which is usually in February, March. So they realized they needed to shift it back. So the 2019 tournament was held in November, December 2018. So therefore, all of the tournaments were being held a year before their number. So it was like 2019 took place in 2018, 2020 took place in 2019, and so on and so forth. And they finally realized that, hold on, actually, this is a really bad numbering system. So they fixed it this year. By having two tournaments this year. No, by having two tournaments no. called 2021. I see. Right. Okay. Okay. The last 2021 one was in November, December 2020. I think I finally understand. They're finally getting away from what I've been calling the FIFA numbering system, where the 2019 game comes out at the end of 20, 2018. Yes. <laughs> and so on. Yes. Good. Right. Um, we're not going to talk through all the matches, um, but I kind of wanted to get Mark's thoughts on, like, Outside, let's let's start with outside the two finalists. Who do you think were, let's say, who 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 impressed you and overachieved? And the flip side of that is who disappointed you and underachieved? Okay. The, so aside from Yuki Wano and Knosuke Takeshita, I've got three people that I really want to mention. The first is Yuji Okabayashi, who the uh, Big Japan veteran came in every mm-hmm. year uh, the Dio Grand Prix has one big name outsider. This year it was Okabayashi and especially towards the back end of the tournament, he was having fantastic matches. His matches against Higuchi and Harashima were really, really good. Um, and the match with Takeshita had a lot of people loving it and a lot of people not loving it. 
Yeah, I think I was the fence sitter on that one. It was just kind of, it was fine. Um, I will say in general, I feel like I watched a lot of, for lack of a better phrase, three-star wrestling with this tournament. There was a lot of stuff that was very solid, but there was very little that was actively bad, but also very little that blew me away, if that makes sense. Yeah, the the Dio Grand Prix historically has had some really, really good matches. But at the end of the day, you do need to realize DDT is not, uh, it's not New Japan circa 2013 to 2018. It's not Noah at its peak. Um, They've got some very good wrestlers, but bear in mind for a long time, their main wrestlers were their own system guys and they didn't really have many in-house veterans to learn from. Uh, And I think one of the reasons the current crop of rookies are pretty good and pretty impressive is you've got Junakiyama in that company now. And if he's involved in training in any way, you can't not learn from someone like a Junakiyama. Absolutely. Um, I also quite like Tokobayashi. He's slightly different to the DDT norm, as far as I can tell. Um, I don't watch much Big Japan. I'm not a deathmatch guy. So if I watch any Big Japan, it's going to be the very unfortunately named Strong BJ stuff, which is their lumpy lads hitting each other very hard division, for lack of a better phrase. And Okabayashi is, he is pretty much, him and Sekimoto are the the heart, the soul, the definition of that. The poster boys. Yeah, yeah. If you see them, you know what you're going to get. Um, I there's one. I can't remember which match it was, but it was one of them I wrote was like it was along the lines of "Wow, Okabayashi, like he can move really well for like a fifty year old." And then I looked him up, and he's only thirty nine. <laughs> oh yeah, he's. Uh, I feel like he's been around forever though. No, only been around since two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Oh really? He yeah, he was. I remember um, being into Big Japan when he was a rookie, so 2008, mm. 2009, around then. Um, so he's actually not been around too long. But the thing is, he's just oh. one of those guys. That you, If you've watched most promotions that use Japanese indie wrestlers, you've seen Okabayashi on the card. And yeah. He, and he's incredibly solid um, mm. and can produce some really great matches. But he is very much the definition of the, the strong BJ style, which is a, mm. a different style to the DDT house series style. Mm. Um, who else uh, is on your list? Okay. The next one I've got is a personal favorite, which is Kazusada Higuchi. Um, okay. Higuchi for me has this balance of he's got good selling. He's got really good power stuff. His matches um, have lots of different uh, ways to finish as finishers. And Mm. he's done a really good job of building psychology around his uh, brain claw finisher. And he works the hold really well in different ways. I'm, I'm up and down on the brain claw because, like, when he does it as a claw slam, I think it looks really good. There is one match where he, I think he finishes it with just a claw push over. Um, a, a bit like the very lame Alexa Bliss choke trip, um, and I don't like that so much. I, you've finally you've mir- you've pretty much mirrored my thoughts on him 
completely. Well, I, I wrote that like he's he's nothing offensively or charismatically that interesting, but he's got a good look, good timing. He's always in the right place. And at his size, he's a really good base for the smaller guys because he's like he's pushing like six four, uh, which is uncommon for a, a a Japanese guy. And as we covered on the episode one, I think you mentioned he's a former sumo who has like slimmed down dramatically for health reasons, but he's still got like a good physique to him. Mm. Um, he also runs the ropes really well. He's got that. I think it's because of his. Because of his height, he have you ever watched seen Barry Windham run the ropes Not really. where he seems to take one step less than if he, he seemed to take because he was such a long, lean guy, he would take one step less than everybody else and do a really deep lean into the ropes. Um, and for some reason, like uh, Higuchi just kind of reminded me um, of that. I did notice uh, on his Yokohama match with Mao, he was one of the few people to actually get vocalizations out of the, the clap crowd. Because in Japan at the moment, if you if you're unaware, um, wrestling crowds have to be masked uh, and they're allowed to clap and stomp, but they're not allowed to shout because projecting spreads, you know, airborne vapor. Uh, and when there's a bit where he is chopping the hell out of Mao, and the crowd are actually ooing for it, uh, I quite liked that. Um, who else did he have good matches against? He's like, like he's in that my my that three star range that I was talking about before. He um, had. Um, I really liked his match with Harashima on night one, and I really really liked his match with Okabayashi, which was prob- one of the few proper heavyweight versus heavyweight beating the shit mm. out of each other matches. But he's also in a match that I really didn't like, but. We'll come into that um, probably a bit later. <laughs> yeah, I'm quickly scrolling through like all the notes I wrote, and like, yeah, is he's on all of his matches? I've sort of rated as like solid plus. Hmm. He's a good. Uh, he's he's a good, definitely a good person to have in the mix. Um, I want to throw somebody in uh, before you mention them as either good or bad. I was hugely impressed on a lot of occasions with Naomi Yoshimura. Now that's interesting because I had he I had him on my lows list. I'll let really? you I'll let you go first. Okay, okay. Um, so I ended up unfortunately having to watch this uh, out of order. He does have a couple of matches that are not good. I'm mm-hmm. going to say that now. One in particular. What's the bodyguard match, one of them? I was going to say one in particular I'm going to shit on later. Um, But yes, the bodyguard match. Uh, And then the endo match wasn't that good. But then later on, um, the match with Yuki Ueno I thought was very good. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the Akiyama match was decent. Uh, The Yuji Hino match was decent. Simply because that was just two big guys going for it. And like Hino's kind of like... He's bullying him for being... So Naomi Yoshimura is about 26, but he looks maybe 17. He's, he's a big guy, but he's all puppy fat and baby face. Um, and the match with Hino was Hino... Hino even, like, takes the piss out of his hair while holding him in a headlock oh, on I the mat. I love that, where he's rubbing his finger through the hair yeah. decoration. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, like, forcing Yoshimura to fire up and be be a baby face and... 
yeah, I like I, I I thought he showed a lot of a lot of good fire in his matches, uh, and he's someone he's someone I've noticed because he stands out because of his look. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought he th- I thought he gave a decent decent showing of himself in this tournament. Uh, those those two matches aside, where's he on your where's he on your shit list? I didn't think he showed enough there was quite a few matches he didn't show enough fire in i'd say the hino and the wayno matches are maybe the exceptions but i don't think he showed enough fire for me um i i think it's because i kind of expected him to step up because for the last year yuki wayno who was his former tag team partner um had an incredibly good run and yoshimura did really well in the tag team last year and then Yoshimura mm. got injured, he's come back, and it just felt like, you know, this is the time for the guy to say, to step up and say, don't forget about me, look at me, this is what I can do. Mm. And I just didn't get that. I didn't get the fire I was expecting. I think he lacks a lot of intensity on his striking. Uh, just lacked a little bit. I mean, the bodyguard match was the big thing but we'll come on to that later because we're both gonna shit on that um, <laughs> i think we are <laughs> and I, I maybe i had unreal expectations okay okay uh you said you had three people who was your, who uh, was your third? my third was harashima well harashima okay. um i just felt he was incredibly solid in everything he was very good at um carrying and grounding guys like Mao. He had uh, he had an element of psychology to a lot of his matches. And it was like, it's not a blow away must-see match, but his match against Takeshita was incredibly good because the whole point of the match was kind of showing that Takeshita has surpassed Harashima. And mm. it did a great job of Harashima being the veteran trying to have realizing I can't beat this guy physically. I can't beat this guy on my, you know, one-to-one. So I'm going Mm. to try and work the arm. I'm going to try and do it subtly doing all these little tricks and still coming up short against Keshta. So I just really like that. That's interesting. That's on the the lower end of the matches for me. Okay. I, um, uh, one of my notes is I'm so bored. I've stopped taking notes. Um, I found it. I found it really disappointing. Like particularly after we'd seen, we saw one of their matches for the Takeshita episode, which was yeah. great. Um, it's like I thought it was mechanically fine, but it didn't have the heart and fire I wanted in it. Um, I get that. Yeah. Like, I get that. Uh, one of the things <laughs> I'm just rereading my notes. Takeshita hits a middle rope sent on, resulting in Harashima making a horrible noise. <laughs> um, this was on the show where i noticed i mentioned it last time i noticed that changes in momentum almost always came over a fight over a vertical suplex mm-hmm. where the guy who'd been getting beaten down was able to struggle his way through and hit the move i think so this is the, this was on the osaka show and they had five tournament matches and i noticed that spot in three of them which is like get an agent like that's yeah. a that's a problem if you can't think of a different way to ch- show a change in momentum then that's that's an issue and this wasn't the only night that happened um yeah i'm i'm, I'm on a general rant now um yeah i was very disappointed in the uh harashima versus takeshita match mm-hmm. but 
overall, like I thought he, Harashima is, you know, he's a, he's a, he's the solid linchpin guy. You're right about the Maxi Locker by Ashley. I thought that was very good. Um, and I think all of his other performances, apart from that Takeshita match, maybe I just expected too much, maybe, but like all, I thought all of his other, all of his other performances were good. Did you have anyone else that you wanted to mention? Well, I'm just having a look down my list of goodies. Um, I think it's kind of like some individual performances and individual matches rather than anybody who was, everybody else was kind of performed as I expected, I think. Mm. Uh, you know, Mao was always a bit weird. Um, uh, Junaki Yama was, you know, old and grumpy quite a lot, mm. you know. Um yeah, everyone else was largely as expected, I think. Shall we quickly um, get on to Lowe's? Lowe's? I'm going to start. I want to have a massive rant about the bodyguard. Yep. Who is absolutely terrible. Um, He's in his 50s, isn't he? He's older than Junakiyama. Yeah, he, but he got a late start. I think I saw live one of his earlier matches, which would have been 11 years ago now. And, like, he was, yeah, he was over 40 then. And I think he'd only just started. Like, he's he's not as big as he thinks he is. I don't know what the deal is. Like, why he has to be on this tour. Like, he's clearly an Osaka native. Like, I could, I could tell because he had to win in Osaka. Um, it's like, does he have the Yakuza connections that get them the buildings? Like, does he drive the ring truck? Like, what is the point of the bodyguard? <laughs> he has no body to guard. He's just a wrestler called the bodyguard. It looks like a shit gimmick I'd expect to see on something like a WAW show in the UK. Like, one of Ricky Knight's old mates just in a pair of combat trousers and a, and a vest. And you go, all right, you'll be the bodyguard. The the best way to describe him is he's a little bit of a a meme kind of guy that people have got behind and kind of enjoy in an ironic fashion. It helps that a lot of the time he would team with Zeus, which is uh, yeah, which would help because him and Zeus were, I believe, they were the big guns, um, mm. and that worked as a team. I think. Yeah, I, I hope I, Zeus doesn't bring him back to New Osaka Pro. That would be very disappointing. I, well, the thing is, Bodyguard went away, became the face of uh, Kaliga Pro, which was a promotion that got um, a bit of momentum. And then some of their booking choices meant that a lot of the Western fans that were interested said nope. And and they were also the ones who had some COVID issues, weren't they? That I believe uh, Dragon Gate's Naoki Tanizaki blew the whistle on very, very publicly. Yes, uh, yeah, and it turned out to be a uh, Ryoji Sai led uh, group now. So bodyguard left them, mm. and I, I wonder if a lot of this was just to get to the scenario where they could put bodyguard with Yuji Hino and have this big man uh, monster tag team. But yeah, possibly. I, but at the I'm end sure of the day, find somebody better. Oh, oh no, there was at least two or three people on the DDT roster I would have significantly preferred over bodyguard. Um, mm. Yusuke Okada, who I'm a big fan of, who's a, a Junakiyama guy that jumped ship from all Japan to follow Akiyama. 
uh, Shubma Katsumata would have added something different. Akito would have added something different. Um, I'm not 100% sure why they booked Bodyguard. They wanted to, and unfortunately he had the worst matches on most of the shows he was on. He's just... I mean, okay, so one of the things that infuriates me about him is his name is spelt wrong in English. Um, uh, they So instead... Japanese for English words is syllable-based, if you like. They use a rice system called katakana for for, for non-Japanese words. And instead of him being bodigado, they've gone with bodiga. And they've spelt it in English, B-O-D-Y-G-E-R. So I've just taken to calling him bodger in all of my notes. He's the bodger from now on, as far as I'm concerned, because he bodges a lot of things. Like, I was... I was very disappointed that he got to beat Yoshimura, who, as I said, I'd enjoyed. Um, I called his crap spear the skewer. Um, uh, <laughs> a bodger kick either misses or hits. I couldn't tell. Then they fall over. Um, yeah, so that match was awful. Uh, and he had the absolute worst match as far as I am concerned. And I'm just trying to find where it is. Day five, Kyoto, in front of that beautiful stained glass window in KBS Hall. Bodyguard versus Tetsuya Endo. Oh, my God. Like, he's half a second late on everything. Like, his timing is very, very weird. There's no power in any of his strikes. Um, he, he gets to kick out of the torture rack bomb after taking three goes to get up for it. Um, and then mercifully Endo finishes him off with a shooting star press absolutely dreadful like i cannot wait oh <laughs> sorry my my eyes have just alighted on his match from osaka um against uh yuki weno uh i've decided that i strongly dislike bodyguard bodyguard over by ref stoppage choke fucking bullshit one star <laughs> can you tell that i don't like bodyguard yet bodyguard versus jun Nakayama. poor uncle jun having to bump for such weak shit yeah, I cannot wait for him to go away. <laughs> Anything to add? I, yeah, just... I can maybe kind of see the ironic appeal and I can maybe see some people liking a big guy throwing a high kick, but that high he's kick not did that not big. land a lot. Yeah, I know. He's not that big. He's just got some muscles. He's like 5'7". He's, he's a 50-year-old man who goes to the gym. If you want a 50-year-old man who goes to the gym, Yuji Nagata, uh, Junakiyama, uh, how many, like, uh, Masaki Mochizuki, how many brilliant wrestlers over 50 are there already knocking about in Japan? This guy has no place. I'm convinced he just drives the merch van or something. Or, he's, or he puts up the ring. This was actually the first time DET have booked him for a long time as well. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, for the tour. Uh, so, is there anyone else that you disliked a near fraction of your dislike for bodyguards? <laughs> um, no, not personally. Um, the only, I mean, we might resolve this when we get round to doing his solo episode. But I don't think I'm entirely sold on Tetsuya Endo yet. I don't think I get him. I agree with you um, to the extent where I was actually surprised how much I enjoyed uh, Tetsuya Endo in the 2019 match that we watched mm -hmm. for the Takeshita episode. And 
I kind of thought, has he regressed a little bit since then? But mm. it d- just doesn't 100% click for me. It'll be interesting to see how he goes forward now because they're now building the new burning stable around him. And uh, I get a feeling they're going to kind of make kind of face push him almost and have him in that role. So it'll be interesting to see okay. how he goes. Okay, dokie. Um, uh, anybody else, anybody underperformed for you? Not underperformed. I just want to come back to my, uh, to Mal briefly because I mm-hmm. just thought of a, a very good metaphor for Mal uh, to describe my issues with him. Uh, I'll call it the toolbox metaphor. So for mm-hmm. wrestlers have different techniques, different skills, and each one is a, a tool. So some wrestlers, you know, they only have a few tools, but they they know exactly what to do, a few spots, whatever. Mao has tons of tools, but doesn't actually know what tool to use in what scenario. Yeah, um, fair enough. And sometimes you can get away with it. Like you can use a chisel or a screwdriver to do some things because they're kind of similar shapes. Sometimes Mao tries to use a screwdriver as a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> You have reminded that's an excellent, excellent metaphor for Mao, I think. Um, you've also reminded me of something uh, John, the ring van guy, once said to me uh, when we were putting up the FWA ring, I have a tool for every occasion. It's called a hammer. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk? I mean, I've already yelled and screamed about two bad matches. Do you want to talk about ind- any individual matches, either good or bad? Looking through on the bad thing. Weirdly enough, two of my three were Bodyguard versus Endo and Yoshimura versus Bodyguard. (laughs) Uh, So my third one was, and I've seen some people whose opinions I trust a lot, put this up there with worst match of the year in their rankings. Mm -hmm. And it was Night 3, Mao versus Yuji Okabayashi. And I think it was just a good example of Mao's um, spot choices and also his style, not 100% clashing Vokka Bayashi, and it just felt quite disjointed at times. Mm. And also some people's arguments were that the, uh, that the sheer number of lariat spots towards the end, was it just the fact that Okabayashi just wasn't getting the bump that he wanted out of uh, Mao? Hmm, interesting. Um, yeah, my, I'd like... Uh, I, w- I watched this early on, so you basically followed along live with this tournament or as close to, whereas I ended up kind of binging it in one go later on and then had to go back and watch mm. day two after I couldn't find it on Universe. So uh, I would watch this quite a while ago and uh, Anoka <laughs> Bayashi Suplex has crashed my browser. That happened quite a lot. <laughs> um, um yeah, it, I, I did know that it did seem quite disjointed. There were a whole bunch of, like, some sort of botch, like some sort of botch during a torture rack, some sort of botch during a brain buster. Oh, God, I remember that brain buster. Yeah. Was... You're right, they don't they don't mesh, but, like, given their styles, like, what do those two talk about apart from wrestling? Like, do you think they play the same video games? Do you think, you know, they're into the same movies? Do you think they like the same? Do you think they have literally anything to talk about other than I'm going to clothesline you, you'll kick out at two, you know? Um, yeah, they seem to be two, like, very different people and very different wrestlers. And sometimes when you butt two very different wrestlers up against each other, like, magic happens and it works, you know? 
big man versus little man to me will always work. Mm. Um, but you're right. Like these two just, they didn't really have that much chemistry. My final note on it was this was almost good. Mm. But I think I was, I was, I was, uh, perhaps reaching a little bit there. Now, uh, very quickly, because I wrote reviews for each show, not only did I watch every tournament match in order, I watched every non-tournament match as well, which oh. does mean that I watched way too many pheromones matches, and <laughs> I wish I could kind of have some of that time back. I only but watched I just... one non-tournament match, and it was on the first night. It was the pheromone six-man tag um a title decision match on the first night only because it it was the follow-up to an angle i'd seen on a previous show i want those 15 minutes back yeah um so my three that i'm just going to very very quickly mm. throw out some non-tournament highlights none involve the pheromones unsurprisingly <laughs> uh so night one you had drew parker and chris brooks versus shuma katsumata and mao in a uh hardcore match i did watch that too actually and i switched off when the darts came out because i'm like that's just a yeah. stabbing and i'm not interested yeah there was darts to the back i did um, laugh at the the early the, basically the opening spot where they had the the plastic boxes taped in between the ropes in the middle of the ropes, oh God, and they yes. did the, they did the whips into the ropes hoping the boxes would smash but what happened was the tape broke and a big plastic box just flew into the front row <laughs> Four it times. Was incredibly ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, just so dangerous. Um, the best bit is if they'd have just turned them 90 degrees. Yeah. So they were uh, portraits instead of landscape, they wouldn't have that problem. Yeah, it exactly. Um, but I mean, there was just some nice, you know, it's just a general hardcore match, mm. but there was um, Mal decided to do uh, Mike Bailey's Ultima Weapon shoot. Uh, shooting star knee drop mm. holding a box yes holding a plastic crate which was a fun spot and chris brooks brought out a fork board a board covered in plastic forks with the fork spelling the words fuck you shinma excellent so the uh on night two it, it's not one to go out and you wait for but there was Takeshita. um ueno and katsumata versus soma takao um ishida who's one of the young rookies and toei kojima who's another one of the rookies mm. uh and it was just a really good watching just two underdog rookies just you know doing rookie things against veterans and it was another example on this tour of Takeshita growing into that veteran role mm -hmm. and growing into the i'm going to do you know you don't have to go out your way to see it but it was something that just like yeah, and no, I really enjoyed that. And speaking of Kojima, um, he's in the last non-tournament match I recommend from Night 7, which was a dark match, and it was my first hardcore match, was literally the name of this match. <laughs> where basically, Shinma Katsumata begged, can I please have a hardcore match with all the rookies? And management, for some reason, agreed. That sounds like a like a wrestling school punishment, doesn't it? This it just sounds like hazing. <laughs> it was, it was actually quite fun. It worked quite well. You had the fact that Kojima had recently joined the Sina Kamina, so he was teaming with Katsumata, and the other rookies were a little jealous. 
Um, but the, the main thing I just loved about it was Hideki uh, Okatani. Uh, so not only did he, bear in mind, less than two years in, decide, I'm going to do an elbow drop off a ladder, which is, you know, I'll give him credit for that, but also hit a double arm suplex onto Kojima onto a table. So a double arm, double underhook suplex onto mm. a table. Table hardly broke. So uh, Okatani basically decided and on the fly, fuck it, this table is going, and did a standing senton onto Kojima to break the table. Oh, poor man. And, it's like, and as I say, none of these are have to see, but there was some fun, decent matches uh, as long as you avoided the pheromones. We're skipping ahead a tiny bit, but you mentioning the rookies um, uh, made me think. Something I really enjoyed from the final day was the opening match. Uh, uh, Yu Yu Kuroku and young man Hideki Okutani against Yuki Yoshida and Yukio Naya. Who trains these rookies? Because like this was solid. It was solid, basic, fiery. They worked at a hell of a pace. Um, they were easily as good as the New Japan Young Lions troop, and a, better mm. than a fair few of the tournament matches from the round robin section. Uh, you could open any show in Japan with that match, and a fair few elsewhere around the world. I thought they were really good. Yeah. Uh, Ishida, I think, has probably had less than 20 matches. Wow. Uh, it might even be significantly less than that. But um, he, so Ishida is another form of sumo, as you can guess, through his ring style and his haircut. Yes. Yes. His image is of mini sumo wrestler. And to the extent where I think this was the first match where Shida actually showed some chain wrestling. Hmm. Because he's otherwise just been charging guy, charging attacks and that hmm. he has incredible fire for hmm. his level. Kuroku, uh so you Kuroku was changed by the animal Hamaguchi gym. Okay, is this where, is the, Yeah. This is where like Shingo Takagi has come from. It's where I mean any Naito, number of, Kojima Chances are there's about a one in five chance that your favorite Japanese wrestler probably came from there. Animal Han- uh, Hamaguchi and his associated gym have a very good reputation when it comes to turning out good Japanese workers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, Okatani's uh, a proper DDT uh, young boy. And Yukio Naya is, um, he spent a lot of time at Real Japan, which is uh, Tiger Mask Satoru Sayama's. Uh, promotion. Naya is basically he's a guy that's got a lot of pedigree because his grandfather was one of the best Japanese yokozuna of the the twentieth century. Oh, really? But mm. he is also a guy that's um, you can tell that he's still got a lot to learn about himself. Mm. Okay. Yeah, uh, that was. But he's also a bit. <laughs> that was just a quick and assignment. has a boris johnson haircut <laughs> i might just edit that out i don't want any mention of that man on this show um uh skipping skipping backwards uh again like any any of the round robin matches that really stood out to you as, as great stuff because we covered the uh, we did the shit list um so i've me- i've mentioned uh higuchi versus okabayashi mm-hmm. uh we've mentioned harashima versus okabayashi which i felt was actually the better of the two 30 minute draws in the tournament mm-hmm. i just felt it built better 
Um, I loved they had a dual exchange near the end where they're kind of laughing as they take strikes just because they yeah. kind of want to hide the yeah. fact that they're really, really hurting badly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it brings back to Harashima. Just Harashima has this flaw where his pride won't let him be outstruck despite the fact that he's often in there with better strikers. Mm. Uh, what did I have on my list? I liked um, Takeshita versus Chris Brooks. I thought they yeah, had a. That very was good on match. my top five. Yeah. That, that was one yeah. of my favorite Takeshita Brooks matches because I felt that um, it was the one where it was about limb work as the main story. And I think Takeshita's a very good limb work seller. Mm -hmm. He was doing a lot of left arm striking to avoid using his damaged arm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which not many people do <laughs> in yeah. this, especially in this tournament uh i thought brooks's match on the uh next show i, I thought shinjuku face overall was the best show for um matches for tournament matches um i thought brooks versus okabayashi was very good on that show uh this is the also the show that had yoshimura versus weno uh, and mm. there was something else later on that I'm trying to find. This basically means scrolling through a big, big uh, Apple note. Um, oh, yes, the other one I, I had down was the, the Harashima versus Okabayashi draw that you mentioned. Um, uh, that was... Um, uh, I did write another bloody 30-minute draw, but I had it down as being, as you said, the better of the two, better of the two draws. So just quickly, Shinjuku face, which was day four, had the tournament matches included Takeshita Mao, Okabayashi Brooks, Hino Bodyguard, uh, Weno Yoshimura, and Akiyama Endo. Mm. Oh, um, Endo versus Weno uh, uh, on day seven, the same day as Hiroshima versus Okabayashi. Um, also was good stuff, I think. Yeah. Uh, one I'll come back to because Weno did a lot of underdog work in this tournament hmm. and uh the Wano versus akiyama match while you can argue that the um the finishing stretch was maybe a, a little too short and a little too sudden i thought it was an incredibly good underdog match that was sub 10 minutes yeah it kind of I wasn't expecting it to finish when it did and i wasn't expecting i wasn't expecting Wano to win because it's Junakiyama, you know, he's he comes in with a name and pedigree, even though he's you know been a regular for the company for a while. But maybe that's just my my old man brain associating him with Noah and All Japan still quite a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, big win, short match. Don't quite know. Don't quite know how to rate this. But I did like you know they did they do the lock up. They back they uh, Akiyama gets backed up into the ropes. And they do the old, you know, chest pat and step away thing. But instead of doing that, um, Weno pats Akiyama on his bald head and then slaps him. And at that point, Akiyama's mm. like, I am going to smash this insolent little bastard and beats the hell out of him. Oh, yeah. It's incredibly one-sided. But I'm a guy that likes uh, underdog matches where and rookie punishment matches where it's all about the, the underdog and what fire he's showing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, alrighty, so I think that, uh, in a haphazard sort of way, uh, the group stage is kind of wrapped up. Um, 
let's have a look at the uh, the show entitled DDTDO Grand Prix 21 to the final. Um, we talked about the final match on the on our our last regular episode, uh, the um, uh, Takeshita episode. Uh, but I just wanted to have a look through the undercard and see like talk about anything else that's worth kind of like pointing out. We we mentioned the first dark match opener, and I think yes. we went through that quite well. Mm. Which yeah, it was a great start. The other dark match on it, um, so it's an interesting one. So basically, Mizuki Watase has kind of been a bit of a journeyman rookie. And then he finally looked like he was gaining traction uh, by having a feud with Yusuke Okada around the beginning of the year, uh, joining Junakiyama's Jumretsu stable. It felt like he finally had a direction. He was really putting it together. Then he got injured. And since he came back, he lacked so much momentum in DDT. He basically asked to leave the company and join Gambare Pro, which is... Uh, it's not quite a developmental, it's basically a cheeky um, sister company, more like a sleazy indie like DDT used to be. Mm. So he had a match against Okada, which was Watase's uh, send-off from DDT proper. And it, yeah, it was a good match, it was a compact match, and I felt it showed uh, some good elements of Yusuke Okada, who's a guy that I like a lot but he uh, struggles to get opportunities. So I'm off to Gambare Pro. Was that what uh, Watase was shouting without a microphone at half full Corican at the end of the match? Probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, so the first actual, the first proper match on the on the TV broadcast was a six-person match. Saki Akai, Toei Kojima and Akito versus Toro Washi, Antonio Honda and Kazuki Hirata. And we're kind of jumping to the end a little bit where I just wrote five stars, exactly the kind of DDT wackiness I'm here for. Like yeah. going going into this, Akito is the Iron Man champion. Hirata tries to pin him while Awashi is legal for their team. And so Awashi and Hirata get into it. They've already had, it's not like a to-do, but like Awashi for some reason jumped the gun on his entrance and then Sandstorm, his theme tune started playing. So Hirata came out doing an impression of Toru Awashi's entrance, basically doing his pose and his entrance for him. Awashi seemed in a really funny mood in this match. What you've kind of undersold is Awashi essentially came out with Akito's team. So he came yeah, out with yeah. the opposition team. Uh, at the exactly. And his, like, his, his ring intro from the MC was like during that team's introduction. Um, Awashi already has three title belts on him for whatever reason. I don't know what they all are. Um, one of them is a DDT over forties title. Ah, okay. I forget that. I forget that exists. Um, lots of people do, including DDT. (laughs) Um, so there's a bit where Hirata refuses to tag Awashi and tags Honda instead, who trips over coming to the ring and does the gone routine. The story appears to involve Awashi, which cracks him up. So he's corpsing at this point. Um, send for the man, so the, beat it the intensifies. Story, the story of this joke is actually Awashi's family own a Chanko restaurant, Chanko okay. being the sumo stew. I've so made it. Whole, it's lovely stuff. <laughs> so the whole pun was that he went to the Awashi Chanko 
uh, Chanko restaurant, but mm-hmm. instead of Chanko, it was Chinko, Chin being Japanese for penis. Okay, I understand. <laughs> oh my god. So Gon makes his customary appearance, attacks the opposition, and then attack then attacks Awashi by mistake. Um Akito tries to join in with Hirata's Tokyo Go dance, but Kojima shoves them both out of the way. And I think the gist of what he was yelling was like, I can do a better dance to a better song. His music hits and he does a series of sexy poses and bad dance moves to it. Honda Dragon screws everybody uh, before Akito reverses Shining Gone and gets submission with a figure four. And then all hell breaks loose. Uh, Hirata pins Akito while he's still got the figure four locked in to win the Iron Man title. Kojima rolls him up, but only gets a one count, which is a bit of an FU to him. Um, Hirata clobbers Kojima with the belt, takes out everyone with his... He does like a, a passing chop move. And he, I realize The best way he, to describe it is the mm. Austin Powers sumo chop. Sumo yes, yeah. chop. Yes, it is kind of neck. like that. Yeah, yeah. But he's. I've realized in the middle of him doing it, Tokyo Go is still playing and he's doing it to the beat of Tokyo Go, um, which is made very apparent when it takes several of them to take him down. And they're essentially they're essentially dancing. Um, Hirata then goes to slam him, but Awashi is both heavy and has been knocked out by the chops. So Hirata collapses underneath um, Awashi and gets pinned and loses the Iron Man title. Um, I love that that pin. That it's so good. Like it's it's so. I mean, this is one. This is one of the things that DDT does so well. Nonsense that does make sense, like Mm. top notch slapstick comedy. And I even liked after the pin, like Matsui is is poking Awashi, like trying to wake him up. And then when he's not getting out of the ring, he just hoofs him out just like rolls him out with his foot and kicks him to the floor and gives him the belt um i i loved this this put a mass i'm grinning now like this put a massive smile on my face it's it's good ddt comedy because you've you've got spots there that yes it's spots that they've done dozens if not hundreds of times Mm. but they've also uh changed it up mixed it up you've got the awashi uh dead weight spot at the end you've got the uh honda throwing in the uh dragon screws everywhere in the figure four finish you've got kojima deciding to show off his uh his grade one dance moves <laughs> it, it, it was uh significantly uh more entertaining uh and more fun than the next match which yes. was Sanshiro Takagi versus Pheromones, one on three and in the absence of tag team partners Takagi just decides to bring a pair of plastic boxes with him um this was just a just an angle to yeah. uh i mean it's a there's oh, christ i can't even read my notes like Tagaki no. gets he gets butts rubbed in his face <laughs> these are the kind of notes i have to take this is these are these is the lows of ddt after we just had the highs yeah um the the whole pheromones bit the the running story is that pheromones are basically wrestling in a very lewd way and they've their third member yumihito imanari is a cameraman so essentially they're trying to film borderline pornographic type footage in the ring so the matches often get 
uh, yeah. thrown out for lo- excessive lewdness. So if we haven't if we haven't mentioned this before, I am a professional cameraman who has done a lot of work with him wrestling. I'm not sure Imanari's camera is ever even on, let alone recording. <laughs> it's probably not. No. Uh, pheromones for people who don't know are Danshoku, Dandy, Dino, Yumihito, Fantastic, Imanari, and Yuki, Sexy, Ino. And you, uh, Ino is a, he's a former rugby player and he does like, um, uh, he does a, a hacker elbow, which is, you know, kind of quite a fun spot. Um, I, of the three of them, he is, and this is grading on a curve here. He is my favorite. I like his gimmick that pain turns him on and powers him up at the same time. So they'll do chop battles, but he'll just take the chops and start rubbing his nipples and going, oh, yeah, and taking the straps down on his um, uh, on his gear before firing back. Um, he hasn't been around for very long, I don't think, right? Only a handful of years. I My brain says 2017 or 2018. Yeah, uh, August August 2017. Hmm. And now he's uh, he's gone from a from a rugby player to a pervert in short order. Um I I hope this doesn't last too long because hmm. he he had promise um uh and he actually had a decent match against uh, Chihiro Hashimoto who's the the from Sendai Girls actually yes. during the yeah. Sendai versus All Out um show that they had which is worth tracking down but it's kind of they've repackaged him into this gimmick there's elements of the gimmick that's okay there's also elements it's a good thing you missed the pheromones match from uh satadango machine's hometown Mm -hmm. because the finish was that was basically uh you know so Dino drove a Honda into the venue and literally drove the car right up to the ring. And uh, put it this way, it was uh, Eno basically took Kojima into the back of the car and I'm not saying anything more. Oh, I have seen. Yes. So the thumbnail for that show is a still from that moment. I have no need to ever know what happened in the back of that car. <laughs> Kojima got out multiple times and was dragged back in multiple times. So, oh, yeah. Man. So anyway, the end of this match was basically, it was set up. It was the GM was involved again and they just set up some future matches for the six man title. And weirdly enough, Imanari versus Shinya Aoki was set up. Well, I can't remember who was at this show. Uh, yeah, this all seemed to be just a set-up pheromones versus um, Takagi Kuro-chan, who's a crap comedian they keep using, um, and uh, Atsushi Onita, which is an interesting trio. Um, Shunma Katsumata versus Masahiro Takanashi, which I don't remember anything about. Um, uh, the director knows Shunma is going for his towel before Shunma does. <laughs> Is my only notable overly rehearsed nonsense. Uh, I don't think I like this very much. Akanashi is a guy that he's quite small, even by DDT standards. He's quite a small, lean guy. Mm. Um, and he's not the most athletic either. He's not the best high flyer. So he goes into a lot of 
trickery and pinning combinations is kind of that that um, light heavyweight trickster style wrestling. You don't get a lot, uh, and it doesn't really suit everyone. I I enjoyed this because it was short and it was a change of pace and hadn't mm. seen Takanashi for a long mm. time, but he's also the kind of guy where if you're seeing it a lot, uh, especially in singles, I it can maybe get a bit um, old a bit quick. Uh, yeah, yeah, my note on the finish was Takanashi Yave's his way into a Mahistral variation. Um, but this is important for something that comes up later. Um, the next match I did enjoy quite a lot. It was everybody from the A block who wasn't in the final against everybody in B block who wasn't in the final. So we've got Junakiyama, Bodger, uh, Tetsuya Endo, Naomi Yoshimura, and Yuji Hino against Mao, Kazusada Higuchi, Chris Brooks, Yuji Okabayashi, and Hiroshima. Uh, I thought this was a ton of fun. I'm a, like, as a died in the wall Dragon Gate fan, I'm predisposed to like multi fast paced multi man matches. Um, and obviously, this wasn't Dragon Gate pace, but like this had a this had a load of good stuff. It had some through, great little stories. So even from the very beginning, you had uh, I think Higuchi got Akiyama in his corner, and Higuchi and Okabayashi got into a mild argument over who could chop Akiyama harder in the corner. Uh, and then uh, the competition between Hino and Bodyguard over who could throw Hiroshima yeah, behind them furthest. That was probably the best use of Bodyguard yeah. in the entire. Tour. Yeah. yeah he lost by the way because he's shit um <laughs> um unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately autocorrect has done a number on my notes and not a lot of them don't make any sense all for you oh i think i'm supposed to say falcon yeah well when i uh, uh prior to this match they announced uh minora suzuki's involvement in uh the boxing day show including the voiceover guy shout singing Kaze Ninare, or, as my iPad decided to have it, Kate in care. <laughs> um, You're talking to someone that has reviewed so many Japanese uh, matches that his autocorrect has Tana, the likes of Tanahashi, Okabayashi, yeah. etc. saved into it. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, what else do we? What else we say? But my, I, the thing I didn't like about it was the director of AEW Dynamite appeared to be on the job, like just cutting way too fast and between too many camera angles, and it wound me right up. Okay, he, um, here's something uh, going forwards. I don't notice a lot of that stuff, so um, I can't comment. Which is interesting. I noticed that DDT whether it's live or taped is cut they, they they swap cameras much faster than somewhere like new japan not as fast as somewhere like aew or wwe wwe is i literally cannot watch it even if the product was good i ca- i couldn't watch it with the way they produce their television um AEW gets on my nerves sometimes because they have an insistence once i mention it you won't be able to unsee it they swap cameras on every impact. Oh, okay. Which is which is to cover mostly to cover um, like missed strikes and that kind of thing. But then they will also do it when people get slammed and like hit the mat and that kind of stuff. So like, there's not going to be any air in a slam. There's no need to like. They'll put cuts in the middle of flying moves, and I'm like, mm. surely that's more impressive if you see it all in one shot. So you know, there's no tricky. You know exactly how far and how high people are flying. I could do a whole show just about 
camera work and direction and editing in wrestling, but I'm not going to. Um, yeah, but overall, I've noticed that the DDT camera work moves much faster than a New Japan show, okay. uh, for example, or a Dragon Gate show. Mm. Um, anyhow, yeah, this is, a, this is a whole load of fun. Uh, Endo gets the win for A Block, I believe, um, over Mao. Yes, Hino and Bodyguard uh, catch Mao on an assai moonsault uh, and set him up for Endo's torture rack bomb and a shooting star press. And then afterwards, um, uh, Hino and Bodger decide they want to team up and go for the tag belts. Muscle tag team, says the commentator. Well, there's muscle. I mean, there's more muscles than say on Hiroshima, who's not a skinny guy, but yeah, no. There is also on Hino a gigantic belly button that I just cannot unsee. It's like oh. a boulder guarding the entrance to a cave. Yes, it is a very the best way to describe beauty Hino is imagine a big man that's been slightly overinflated. Yes. So it's like his belly button does pop out quite noticeably. Yeah, it's like it's like the stopper. If you pulled that, he'd you know he'd shrink. And and this yeah, is a man very... who's. Up Upper body is so big that when he wants to show off and have a chop battle with his shirt off, he has to get someone else to pull his shirt off because he cannot <laughs> remove his T-shirt during matches. Um, very quickly. Unfortunately, this means I'm going to have to watch another Bodger match when they do the tag title match. Uh, very disappointed. He, Hino and Okabayashi had some really fun interactions in that match, actually. It was a lot of mm-hmm. it was big lads doing big lad things to the extent where Really, Mal, Brooks, and Endo got fairly short shrift. At least two of those were involved in the finishing stretch, and Brooks got uh, at least it got some of his shit in. Oh, also, very, very quickly, because I haven't mentioned it, I yep. was fairly impressed by Chris Brooks in the tournament in terms of he felt a little bit, you could see where he's improved from, say, two years ago. He had lots of different types of matches. So, some guys will go in there and they will just do their match. Mm. Like Brooks did. Brooks went in and he did the, he did the strong BJ match against Okabayashi. He did the standard pro wrestling matches against Harashima and Higuchi perhaps. And then the one against Mao was almost entirely outside of the ring and just full of wacky Mao shit. Um, and wacky Brooks shit because, you know, he's known for that kind of thing as well. Um, and for what it was, I actually enjoyed quite a lot for being just... Be- I think because a lot of the rest of the tournament had been very straight, like those two doing just a ridiculous comedy match that's 99% out of the ring based on countouts and ends in a countout was like a refreshing change. And it also worked because at that point they were both essentially eliminated anyway. So actually from a logic ah. perspective, it didn't hurt as bad because it's like, well, no, they're literally just doing what they want because we're out. We might as well uh, involve a giant tire. Of course. Why or, not? <laughs> or try to wrestle spots while having a broom taped uh, to each arm. Uh, our semi-final is something that, for me, had it been a tournament match, would have been in my worst matches list. I thought this was dreadful. Universal champion Daisuke Sasaki against Soma Takao. So, 
Uh, I'm going to quickly shout out uh, Rob, uh, also known as B McCooley on Twitter, because I know he will mm-hmm. enjoy this because it will be me shitting on Soma Takao again. <laughs> you were right though his theme tune is very good it reminds me a lot of um i was so i used to work on the fringes of the movie industry kind of doing promotional stuff so i have filmed and over 300 movie premieres i've gone to countless press conferences shot tons of interviews and all that kind of thing and we used to get loads of promotional stuff so like i was given like a, a harry potter quidditch hoodie i had a superman clock just all this stuff and one of the things I was given was a Pirates of the Caribbean remix CD. <laughs> so it's just that main, it's like six or seven like dance remixes of the main Pirates of the Caribbean thing. And for some reason, Takao's music reminds me of one of the tracks off that CD. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I see dog food and Mad Pauly. Oh no. Okay. Um, if, I, if you think I ranted about Bodyguard... I could probably go on a similar rant, rant about the wrestling Easter egg, Mad Pauly, who is po- potentially one of the worst pro wrestlers I've ever seen. Uh, so two things I'm going to quickly jump in. First of all, okay. DDT often has a habit of having wrestlers whose gimmick is that they're a bad wrestler. So Gorgeous Matsuno is a good example. Uh, DJ Nira, yeah. who I don't believe you've ever had the pleasure of, who wrestled in a face in a COVID style face mask about a decade before COVID took place. I have seen him. I remember that he is very bad. So those guys, uh, and also go to Ihashi, who is the slightly returned yellow trunked friend of Kotrabushi. Those are the kind oh, of guys yes. where part of the joke is that they're bad and they kind of know mm-hmm. that and play into this. MJ Paul, they don't play into it, but he is pretty much on the left. Oh, yes, he's had a name change recently, hasn't he? Yeah, Murder Junkie Paul is his current gimmick name. I see. Is he part of the office staff? I always had that feeling like like he was like on the booking squad or, you know, he booked the buildings or I, something like I that. don't know 100% his background. What I do know the background of is why the dog food came up. Okay, go. Back in 2010, Soma Takao was part of the terribly named Shit Heart Foundation. Which is up there with the worst stable names, I think, that you can get. Uh, I've just had a moment of regret in starting this podcast series. uh, Hopefully this will be the last time I mention the Shit Heart Foundation. Okay, So I'll just finish it. And for some reason, they were teaming with Daisuke Sasaki and the the gimmick was the loser had to eat dog food. So it's actually an 11-year-old reference to a previous match between the two which probably was maybe as bad as this one was, I'm assuming, because uh, Soma Takao is maybe slightly... Actually, I'm not sure if he's improved or regressed, but <laughs> Daisuke Sasaki is a wrestler who um, there have been matches I enjoy him from, but there's a large element of staleness plus... Uh, MJ Paul gets involved in a lot of his matches and you get that interference tarnish. I was, oh, I mean, there's a point where the commentators are so bored, they have a discussion on what type of dog food it is. Um, <laughs> like, Takao, you talked about, I don't remember who it was, it might have been harassing, you talked about how good they are, how good he is at selling his arm and was using, like, left arm strikes. or Takeshita. It was Takeshita, excuse me. Um 
It was in the Harashima match, wasn't it? That's why I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yes. Um, Soma Takao here, they work on his knee. And his comebacks are drop kicks yeah. and a double stomp and a leaping, not a DDT, I've put. Like a move I just could not figure out what the hell it was. Um, like Takao blocks a diving elbow by getting his knee up. He's... It takes 15 minutes for him to figure out that his knee hurts, and it's after he's missed a mad splash. Incidentally, a lot of Shima moves uh, in Soma Takao's offense. Okay, so here's... So I'll very quickly jump in there as well. Soma Takao was uh, um, part of a university wrestling club because some Japanese universities would essentially have uh, the Japanese equivalent of uh, backyarders, which was university students wrestling. And uh, the gimmick of the young Soma Takao was Bima, B-I-M-A. Okay. It was a Shima gimmick, rip-off gimmick, hence a lot of uh, Shima moves in Takao's arsenal. I see. And he did team with Shima at one point. I looked at how long was left on this show, and I got really worried they were going to do a one-hour draw. Like, this seemed to never end. Um, There is a spot where... Somebody goes for a top rope pedigree and it gets reversed, and it's a miracle that nobody broke a bone on it. It was an absolute mess. They they didn't even reverse, so, the, so it was society. Was that supposed to hit DDT? No, because what actually happened was well, I don't know if it was meant to reverse or not. What happened was that Sasaki's boot got caught in the turnbuckle. I saw that, yeah, and so uh, he got to cow up. But then instead of going forwards, he just fell forwards and sideways. Luckily, okay. uh, I think it was the best way that um, Takao could have landed. And I'm surprised that it didn't seriously damage Sasaki's knee. Yeah, it was it was pretty horrible. Um, Sasaki then does a Mystica, uh, does a La Mystica and mercifully uh, pops on a wacky submission for the win utter shit like this was down there with the bodyguard stuff in the tournament uh just killed the show's momentum absolutely dreadful to cows a guy that if you maybe if you're generous you can actually break down a lot of the elements of his wrestling and aside from the the selling issues you could maybe say he's above average but he's just a guy that doesn't really has never really clicked for me yeah you did mention Um, he doesn't really set your world on fire just i i can i can maybe you know say okay some of this some of that's okay but it just he's a guy that i'd actually describe as less than some of his parts (laughs) uh and and sasaki is he's very hit and miss yeah he He can have some very good matches um he probably is a bit more character than actually in ring but considering that he's a dick togo trainee he's not he does lack a lot in mm. terms of just putting on enjoyable matches consistently. And then if we're going for completeness, uh, Sasaki does a promo after Takao throws the dog food at him. Uh, Sasaki offers his hand, but Takao just leaves. Uh, and then Brooks, uh, Balianaki, uh, who we haven't really talked about because he doesn't like, he's not a DDT guy. So he's a, he's a chocker pro guy, isn't he? Which is another yes. bizarre little sister slash cousin in the cyberverse 
they're, they're not even really properly related. It's just that Chris Brooks likes doing Gato Move stuff and Balianaki is a guy that can speak Japanese and English. I so draw the watch. line at watching two people have a wrestling match on a mattress in something the size, somewhere the size of my bathroom. Like, <laughs> I'm not I'm not willing to go down. I know people who've, like, gone to Gato Move shows and that kind of thing. It's like, I'm not, This is this is not for me, I do not think. But the point is, uh, Brooks uh, challenges Sasaki on behalf of uh, Takanashi in English and Japanese. Uh, Takanashi is kind of quite taken by surprise, and Brooks kind of says to him, you're always in my corner telling me to do my best. Well, today it's, it's Masa Gambate. Um, uh, Takanashi decides, well, okay, all right, I'm going to challenge then, and he finds his fire and he puts out a challenge. Uh, Sasaki, I, as far as I could tell, basically tells him, if you want to challenge, you've got to eat some dog food. So he does. The match is set, and then Takanashi collapses and spits all the dog food out. And then in my, my one pun of the day, I wrote Chris Brooms, uh, as Chris Brooks uses a broom to get the dog food out of the ring. I'll leave the Aww. puns to you. <laughs> For people that don't know my sense of humour, that is not something you're going to look forward to, whoever's listening to this. <laughs> uh, and then we won't go in depth on the final because we covered it pretty comprehensively on our uh, Konosuke Takeshita episode. It is Takeshita versus Yuki Ueno in the final. Uh, for me, it is the uh, the best match of the tournament, uh, as a final should be, I guess. Um, they both put in... Uh, very good performances. Uh, Takeshita obviously won. So with him, this is something I wanted to cover uh, last time and completely forgot. With him being the champion and winning the tournament, what does that mean for him next? Does he get to choose his challenger? Like I've always had the he... trouble with the logic of a champion entering a tournament to decide a challenger for that champion. He did get to choose his challenger, and the challenger kind of chose himself. So he basically chose uh, Yuji Yokobayashi. Ah, yes, because Yokobayashi comes out at the end, doesn't he? Yes, because they. So he's Takeshita, the, Sorry, Yokobayashi was the only the only blip on his record in the group stages, and even then, it wasn't a loss. It was just it was a draw. Yeah. So. The last couple of uh, DDT back and forths have been DDT guys uh, losing to an outsider and someone else getting the big rub by beating the outsider. Mm -hmm. So uh, Harashima lost to Masato Tanaka. Uh, Masato Tanaka then gave the rub to Endo, who won the title. Endo lost to Junakiyama. Takeshita got the rub off Akiyama. I, I'm not 100% sure if DD, I'd like to think DDT are going to stick with Takeshita for a while because I think he's definitely a guy you can make something of. And also, while I could kind of see them putting the belt on Okabayashi, um, I just think doing that trope three times in a row just feels very samey in the booking. I mean, we talked in depth last time about how much and how well Takeshita has been built up over his six years, nine years. In, nine years. In nine years in DDT. Like, we saw him go from, like, the, the rookie uh, against Tatsumi Fujinami, like, gaining confidence and becoming this undisputed ace. I don't... I think you're right. I don't think it's a good idea to have him lose to Okabayashi. Like, he should be the one who breaks the curse of the outsider, if you like, and, you know 
wins yeah. this match that he's been challenged to. And then he means more when somebody within the company beats him. You know, yes. when the next guy I, coming up beats him. I think he should be on a decent length run. I think he should go through a few different people. And I really think uh, the next one should be giving someone their first reign, whether it's uh, whether it's a Higuchi, whether they decide to sort of try maybe uh, Wayno. Um, I mean, they could even decide, well, maybe put it back to Endo if Endo's had a long time and actually changed his style with the uh with the burning stable. So I I think there's much more value in keeping that belt on Takeshita. I agree very much. All right. Anything else before we take this home? Not really. What I will say is uh we didn't mention it uh that much uh or that obviously on the Takeshita episode. The, this uh, match, the Takeshita Ueno, was basically the two guys in terms of big achievements in 2021. So Takeshita won the Dio Grand Prix, won the King of DDT, won the title. Mm-hmm. He won the tag titles. He won the six-man tag titles, and he won the Ultimate Tag League. So he pretty much won almost everything. Just ran the table throughout the year, yeah. Utterly ran the table. Um and I think uh, a big part of it was to build him as like the ultimate boss inside DDT, the ace, uh, and really firm that up. Whereas Yuki Ueno had a really good universal title run. He had a lot of really good matches. Um, I will probably recommend he had uh, two matches with Yusuke Card, and the first one in particular, and I think March is well worth a watch. So... DDT literally spent the whole year building Takeshita and building Wayno, and then decided we'll just put them in the final. And they ended up having a great match and building a possible rivalry that they can go for years on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, I guess that's the end. That's uh, that's the end of your DDT Christmas present. Um, Mark, if you want to be found on the internet, where can people find you? uh monkey underscore buckles on twitter um i won't recommend my blog because i recommend it on the last one and no i recommend it every uh, time this is this is to get, I, get people to find your stuff okay my stuff can be found at sci-fi flow.wordpress.com and i will be doing reviews on post wrestling including the uh boxing day nevermind show uh there will be a review on post wrestling uh, which in this timeline uh, will have already happened. Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna re-record that or anything. It doesn't matter. Um, it's just funny to me. Uh, yeah, Mark has a has a busy time with uh, Japanese wrestling reviews coming up. If you if you ever wanted my take on Noah, uh, that will be on the first of January. <laughs> okay. If you if you want my take on the first Tokyo Dome show, that will be on the fourth of January. And if you want uh, a sense of optimism and disappointment i will be reviewing the noah versus new japan show as well <laughs> uh, in the meantime i can be found at kieran edits on twitter i mostly moan about the camera work on AEW, um and this show is at dd teach pod on twitter uh, you obviously know where to get it because you've got it and you're listening to it um i did want to say um thank you to everybody who has downloaded our first couple of episodes, the response was 
much more positive and we had more downloads than I thought we were going to get. Um, so uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much, guys, for all the support we've had and for the people that are willing to sort of recommend us. It's greatly appreciated. Yes. Uh, retweets and recommendations are, are very much appreciated. Thank you so much. Uh, so that's it. Hope everybody had a lovely Christmas. I uh, hope everybody has a great new year. And we will be back with another regular episode. We don't know what it is yet. Towards the end of January. Uh, thank you very much and goodbye. Bye. Bye.